Welcome to the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup, being brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. I'm Susan Littlefield. We are on location in Tucson, Arizona at the Water Street's Edge Conference. And I'll tell you what a great opportunity it has been to hear from both gentlemen standing on either side of me, but of course a variety of different guests as well. We're going to take a look at what's been happening in this marketplace this week and, and how we focus with some major reports that are coming out in the weeks ahead. So stick around. You're not going to want to miss what we're about to talk about. Meet the champions of innovation in the heart of Nebraska. They're not just farmers, and they nurture more than just crops. Pushing boundaries and turning challenges into opportunities. They trade knowledge and know-how, and their dedication doesn't end at harvest. It's in your every bite and every drive. The future of food, fuel, and fiber, and the future of Nebraska starts right here. Well, welcome back once again. As you can see, standing next to me, I, of course, have Arlen Suderman with StoneX and Darren Fry with Water Street Advisors. And I want to start out, first of all, talking about this event here. And I want from both of you guys, give me the mood. What are you hearing from, from these growers that have been at this event as they look at how markets finished up 23 and, and started into 24? I think overall the, the attendees are very optimistic about 24. I mean, they like higher prices, obviously, but uh, they had good yields overall, and, and they're looking forward to what's ahead in 24. So a lot of teamwork here and a lot of networking and great speakers like Arlen, and so it's been a great seminar. For you, Arlen, you had an opportunity to speak on Friday before the group. Kind of what was your feel of the atmosphere for them? Well, first of all, these, you know, people who come to these types of conferences tend to be your top end managers. They tend to be glass is half full type of people. So they're looking for the opportunities. They see the volatility, see the risk, but they say, okay, inside of every challenge is an opportunity. And so that's what they're looking for. So it's fun to talk to them, fun to exchange ideas. I learn from them as well, and it's always a great opportunity for all involved. All right. Well, it was a shortened week, obviously, with Monday being a holiday, but hit a contract low in this corn market this week. We sure did. We'll see if this 450, 460 area can hold, but the beans gave way with all the rain and forecasts for more rain, and so funds are still selling corn. They're net short beans now, and wheat, even though it kind of turned here on Thursday, it just wasn't enough to help out the corn. What are you seeing from the soybean perspective? Because, I mean, they took a big drop on the day Friday. Well, you know, they were down uh, today, but also um, down for the week about 41 cents. And a lot of that, I think, is South American weather, obviously, but also the, the lack of export demand. We had pretty poor exports this week. But uh, as Arlen and I have talked, uh, there's still a lot of growing season left down there. We see yields are being marked down, and maybe there's more markdowns to come. But right now, there's just not enough uh, to get the bean market excited. We need to get under 140 if we're going to have a rally, I think. Arlen, you had the opportunity uh, within StoneX. You guys have talked to a variety of different folks there in South America, specifically Brazil. What is the feel? What are you hearing potential number-wise? Well, the potential is still very wide. The early beans have started with harvest, so that means we're going to have soybeans to ship. The question is, how long will those beans last? And that's a factor of the size of the crop. Will they stretch until we harvest our beans next September? That's going to be the key question. We have to, as Darren said, get low enough to where they run out of beans along with Argentina, Paraguay, Uruguay 
to, to force those customers, namely China, but also others, to come back to the United States before we've been able to harvest because our balance sheet is pretty snug right now. And so far, the market doesn't have evidence that we're going to do that. It's a little bit early to say decisively that it won't. So that opportunity is still there. But the market's going to trade what it has evidence of, what it anticipates. And right now, it's in a, a bearish commodity deflation mode. And so its default is, oh, we don't have any evidence, then we're going to assume the worst we're going to sell. And if things change, then we'll turn and take things the other way. At this point, though, how wet is wet for those areas that have had too much rain? Well, too much, that's a good question, Brazil, because soils are different, climate, everything's different down there. We normally think if, if beans that are too wet, have wet feet, then you're going to have a lot of problems. And, and there are those areas where that is the case. But it really surprised me as I look at history, how in southern Brazil, when they're really wet, how well they still do. Are there problem areas? Definitely are problem areas. But they still, as our latest survey did on January 1st or January 2nd, we came out with that farmer survey, showed expectations of around trend yields or so in that southern part of Brazil, Rio Grande do Sul area. So how much can that offset some of the problems in some of the dry areas is, again, going to be one of the questions. But isn't there a concern? Um, you and I were talking about this earlier for this Safrina corn crop. Yes, Safrina corn crop, I mean, the jury's still out. We're going to see if it gets delayed in its planting. The area might shrink. Um, the real bad thing would be if they turn wet down there and delay harvest for soybeans, quality issue, plus delaying the planting of this free and crop but right now it's just too early to know but i would imagine we're going to have some struggles down there just getting the crop in would be my my guess is there any export potential though coming our way i i think it will depend on what happens with safrina obviously uh you know we, we haven't seen the disruption in the black sea we know that brazil is really not going to export a lot more corn we should be the only game in town as we move into the first and second quarter and brazilian uh, supply won't come back till june or july with safrina crop Arlen, you've got ties as well when it comes to China. What is the economic feel right now for them? Well, they've got economic problems, and they've really contracted their hog herd, brought their breeding herd down about 5% or so, and shrinking it. They're also, as a matter of policy, reducing the amount of soy meal inclusion in rations. They were at 17% about five years ago. Their goal is by next year to be down to around 12.5%. They're getting down to that level. So when you look at pork consumption, per capita pork consumption, you look at the reducing the inclusion rate, we're probably getting, we're very close to like peak demand for meat in China until or unless they find other demand, other uses for the soybeans. So that's why it's good we're developing domestic type of demand. And I know Brazil has expressed to me their concern, well, what are we going to do with all these extra beans that we're producing as we continue to expand? But their economy in China continues to struggle. Um, the, in, the property sector, which makes up anywhere from 20 to 30 percent of GDP, has a lot of problems, and those problems are getting worse. We saw data come out this week to indicate that. Their property sector has about $105 billion in payments due in 2024. Um, and so it needs a government bailout, but their government debt is also high. They'll get through it, but what it does is limit what they can do to stimulus. And without that stimulus, that tends to have a negative effect on commodity purchases. So we not be putting all our eggs in one basket? I hear so many producers say, well, we're waiting on China. We're waiting on China. It'd be nice if they'd show up and buy something. But, you know, I think that's one of the problems with the, the hog side of things, the pork industry. Uh, we have a, a lot of production. I know the exports to China are down. And uh, we have to have other markets but China, uh, especially if anything happens geopolitically. I mean, 
we get on the wrong side of that, and obviously that will hurt our business for exports. ASF, we haven't heard a lot about that, and I hope I didn't just jinx it, but is it still an issue right now in China? African swine fever is still there. They've commercialized the farms to a great extent, um, and that means strong, heavy biosecurity, uh, which means it works until it doesn't work. And when it doesn't work, you got that much bigger facility that has problems. So it is still there. They're managing it. Uh, it's more of a winter problem than a summer problem. So now we're in the wintertime, so they're having more problems. Um, but nothing new from what we saw last year or anything else uh, to any great extent. And when we're talking uh, weather, we've got a huge storm system that is, is moving into really the Midwest all the way across um, into the East Coast. From a cattle perspective, it's been a pretty decent growing for winter. What concerns does this cattle market have or should it have at this point? I don't know if the cattle market's going to be affected a lot about, you know, that weather yet. Maybe if we see storms come on the backside of this, we are going to get 8 to 10 inches, some places more. Uh, temperatures are going to get quite cold, but I'm not expecting a big deal as far as that. I do think that's going to help the wheat farmers a lot, um, depending on how far south that is. But we need moisture to replenish uh, a lot of acres across the Midwest. We're running very short on subsoil moisture as we enter 24, and so this, this rain will be welcome and the snow. And it's also going to help when it comes to like Mississippi River, for example. Well, hopefully, hopefully, because that has a problem too. Well, we can always be optimistic. That's right, that's right. Wheat perspective, I mean, you're right there in the state of Kansas. Any sort of moisture right now, even though we're in dormancy? Yeah, we saw Kansas release and some, many of the Plain States release crop condition ratings, and we saw an increase in those ratings, most notably in Kansas. So the moisture has helped the crops better at this time of year than it has been in about four or five years. That's always good. Um, to get the crop off to a good start and get it going. Uh, I think we're, we're looking for Friday's, uh, uh, next Friday's um, USDA report and in the winter seedings report. We're looking for hard red winter wheat acres to be up this year, soft red winter wheat acres to be down, hard red spring wheat, wheat acres to be down. Hard red winter, though, is where we have the surplus of wheat we need to get rid of. So we need to export business. So while we all like to have higher prices, that's not how you get the export business. So kind of fighting that right now. I mentioned at the top of the show that we've got two major reports coming out, and that includes this cattle inventory report. And I think a lot of folks concerned are wondering where those numbers will be back on the farms. Yeah, um, I, I, Arlen might have more information on that to share, but I like the upside of cattle. And so I want to believe that's going to be somewhat supportive because accounts say that. And so we'll see what happens. But what are your numbers showing? On the cattle on feed and, and overall, we bunch things up right now, and we should be moving past that bunch and start dropping those numbers back once again because we pulled so many cattle forward. And we're also looking forward to the National Inventory Report, which should show some additional contraction in the cow herd. And so that's a big question when that comes into play. We thought we'd start rebuilding the cow herd in the fourth quarter of 23, but the weather didn't allow that. And those were could thinking, well, do I sell this animal now or get a lot? I mean, do I hold it back or to get what I can get for it now? Uh, right now, we're thinking that's been pushed back a year to the end of 24. Uh, and so we've got tighter supplies of beef ahead. The big key for the cattle industry right now is the consumer and keeping the consumer confidence there so that they buy what we need to sell, what we're producing. We have record carcass weights right now. Maybe the winter storms will help take some of that off, unfortunately at the expense of the cattlemen. Um, but with the numbers we have, we need to reduce that beef supply. 
Consumer confidence, I heard you kind of agreeing here as Arlen talked about that. Yeah, I think, you know, the longer term counts. I'm looking for a rally in the spring, but after that, I'm concerned about the cattle prices. And I think that even though we have a shrinking herd and tight numbers, it might be a demand issue going forward, and that would be from the consumer side. What about this dollar as you and I talked about that on Friday? I think the dollar is, is really going to be key and pivotal to all our markets this year, and we're sitting right there in critical support. And so if we see it give way, that's going to be a tailwind to all the commodities, grains, livestock, everything will help on the export side. And Arlen, for you, what are you going to watch for in this early part of 24? Well, I'm going to watch Fed policy and what they do and how the market reacts to it. I think we've got an opportunity to flip the narrative. We've been in a commodity deflation mode now for the last 21 months or so, and so the funds have really shorted most commodities. That was their default mode, and I think maybe by the second or third quarter of this year, we'll start to flip that narrative away from that deflationary mode. That doesn't mean I'm bullish to commodities, but it can really help give us some relief and make it easier for commodities to respond to stories that come along and give you some selling opportunities. I think we're going to have volatility. It's going to be difficult over here in the next year or two, but I do think the opportunity is going to be there for those who have a good plan. All right. Well, gentlemen, I appreciate both of you joining us for this week's episode, and thank you for inviting me to come down to, to enjoy your event and do a lot of great stories and, and meet a lot of amazing folks from around the nation. Yeah, glad you were here. You had a blast. And Arlen, I appreciate uh, getting a chance to hear you speak as always. Absolutely. It's always good to be here at this group. Got to remind folks, as always, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. And that's this week's Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup.